I got in trouble at school because I was trying to sell them at school. So I got in trouble at school and wasn't allowed to use the school library to copy them anymore. It was usually a lot, uh, but it was like the school principal had already talked to the librarian and the librarian was there with her arms crossed uh, when I got there and was like, "You, you, no, we aren't doing this again. This is Commonplace, the show about creative people and the things that inspire them. I'm Nathan Thomas. Today on the show, we have Elliot Stewart, creator of the zine Porch Beers that uses an Appalachian and pop culture lens to tell personal stories of home and trans identity. He writes about anything from music to wrestling to beans and cornbread. One of my favorite John Steinbeck books is Cannery Row, and there's a passage near the beginning where the narrator describes the town like, quote, Cannery Row in Monterey in California is a poem, a stink, a grating noise, a quality of light, and he goes on and on from there. I'd like to read a passage from Porch Beer's issue two called Wild, Weird, and Wonderful about Elliot and I's shared home of West Virginia that reminds me of that passage while also showing off Elliot's writing abilities. Quote, West Virginia is a mountain range full of whitewater rapids and wildflowers and cheesy roadside attractions. It's a farmer's market with homemade apple butter. It's punk rock, hell, all kinds of music. It's helping a guy out with a dollar and him paying you back a month later. It's a raging house party at 3am that only a sheets run can make sense of. It's building your own scene because no one will build it for you and the proper one is four hours away. It's the people. Good God is it the people. Before we get to the interview, I want to give a quick shout out to Exclaim Records. They're big supporters of the show and one of their artists, Jim Pollock, has a new music video that comes out today. Friday the 15th for his latest single this evening. Be sure to look up their Instagram and watch it from there. Now, here's my conversation with Elliot Stewart about his zine, Porch Beers. Things are going pretty good for me, honestly. Like, it's kind of refreshing because things have been kind of shitty for a long time. Uh, But no, like, I know people always do the living your best life, like, as a joke when they are struggling, but I honestly might be able to say that's happening. Yeah, well, it feels like the zine has been having momentum lately, and you've been doing more vending events you were set up at marshall for a couple of things so it seems like that's on the up oh yeah totally like it's been nice Uh, it's not you know necessarily like oh the pandemic's over but it seems like there are more events now that you can do things at that uh i don't know uh it's nice to be back in like around people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but with going out and, and vending and doing porch beers, before mm-hmm. we kind of get to that, even though it is your like main zine project now, it's not your first foray into that world. Like when did you first get to zines as like a medium, like your first experience with them? Yeah, honestly it was uh I was like thirteen or fourteen, I think at the time. Uh 
back in Logan, uh, and I was a big fan of this author, Francesca Leah Block, who did this uh, Dangerous Angels series, and uh, to date myself, this was uh, Yahoo uh, News Groups where it would be like you'd post and it would send a uh, compendium of like the day's posts to your email. Um, but a lot of folks that were involved with that uh, did zines. And, you know, I was a kid, didn't have much exposure to cool stuff, and I was like, this seems cool. Let me send this person a dollar and have my mind blown whenever I get the mail in two weeks. And how long after starting to read zines and collecting them did you think, like, oh, this might be a thing I'm able to do? It was almost instantaneous, I'd say. Like, maybe, maybe, like, four or six months, and then I was like, you know, I I think I have stuff to say, too, and I want to send this out. And uh, there's, you know, when you're 13-year-old, view is not very large, so there's not a whole lot from that era that I am particularly proud of. Uh, but it is, you know, I am proud of myself for, like, just having the initiative to go out and do something. Do you remember what your first article was about in your first scene? Or the first theme? Uh, the the Those weren't very themed, if I... I'm remembering right. Um, I, I think it was some like poorly like worded poetry. If I can remember uh, that far back, I do remember. I think it was issue two or three. Um, there was like uh, some of my friends who were like just kind of fratty Magic the Gathering types, if that makes sense. Uh, made a article that was like the six point nine commandments of Jeebus which was like all just kind of like teenage boy humor. And uh, I got in trouble at school because I was trying to sell them at school. So I got in trouble at school and wasn't allowed to use the school library to copy them anymore. How many did you try to print off that they would get mad at you for? Oh, I don't know. Uh, It was usually a lot, uh, but it was like... The school principal had already talked to the librarian, and the librarian was there with her arms crossed oh, uh, no. when I got there and was like, "You, you no, we aren't doing this again. Yeah, go to the copier store like everyone else. But reading through these zines to kind of prep for this, one thing I kind of noticed was just that the way the writing style is, you know, it's smart, but it's not really alienating and it's conversational without being too meandering. Mm -hmm. Was that a style that you had to develop and get to, uh, in like honing how you write? I'd say a little bit, um, that it was developed. Um, you know, part of it, the, the brevity of it, um, which I'm sure like you're partially familiar with too, is like, you know, going to J school and like learning that, uh, you know, uh, show it, don't tell, I don't know. Yes. Uh, but like to, to be brief in what you say. Um, but yeah, honestly, it, I kind of started out like that and just kind of like honed it like a knife, like for, uh, I guess, gosh, over 20 years now. It's hard to think about. <laughs> Yeah, so just to give people background, what is like the idea or like the, I don't want to say thesis, but like the, the concept behind Porch Beers as a whole? Sure. So it's um, 
What I like to say is that the pop culture zine, uh, through the lens of being uh, Appalachian, queer, and trans, um, it doesn't always focus necessarily on pop culture as an immediate subject. It's more like pop culture is kind of the, the medium for me to storytell. When you sit down to make an issue, do you start with a theme and then write to that theme? Or do you just write and realize like, oh, these kind of fit together thematically? Uh, definitely the second. Um, I just start writing. And then when I get a couple that have a theme, I kind of group them together. Uh, but there are kind of skeletons of, I'd say four or five issues that are partially written it's just i get to like a a fill point with it and then that's when a new issue comes out and do you have a goal of like how often you want to put it out or is it just uh i have enough let's get it to the copy and get it you know out there i want to try and do it once every season uh, which I think I've done a pretty good job of thus far. Uh, but I, it's not like a hard deadline. Like, it's just kind of there to get me motivated, but I'm not going to sweat it if I don't get it out exactly then. So far, you know, you've had the, these broad topics of the themes within it. You've written about things like uh, wrestling, pop music, karaoke. Uh, what are some things you're planning to include in future issues? The theme is going to be food. Uh, so it's about different experiences I've had with food and how they connect to like my family and different, uh, experiences I've had. Like one is about, uh, do you remember when the highway shut down and all the people got stuck on the highway? Uh, because of Bojangles or is this a different? Oh no, 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 not Bojangles. This was a winter storm thing where, uh, people were trapped on the highway for a couple days, I think. Was this locally or was it the one in Virginia? This was locally. It was okay. uh, uh, going, I can't remember which highway it was, but it was the one going from like like Oak Hill, Beckley area. Okay. Uh, but I was one of those people that was stuck there. Uh, so the uh, one of the best meals I've ever had was a lukewarm Whopper. Now, how long into being stuck did you have this Whopper? I think it was the 23-hour mark. Reading the zines, uh, especially in order, uh, you can a reader can track you moving back to Huntington and like further, uh, like the furthering of your transition. Has that impacted the writing style any, or how you choose what to include the zine? Because there is a, a trajectory within it, like as a whole. Yeah, I, I and I would say that didn't necessarily um that wasn't necessarily planned. Uh but it is kind of nice to look back on and see that. Um but yeah, it it's something that I don't necessarily reveal like all of the details of my life, but sometimes I reveal more than I'm thinking I do uh, when I look back on it uh, like to reflect on what I've written like previously because this was started in Tennessee the first issue at least Mm -hmm. yeah and then you moved back here was it close to a year now Uh, it was in October so it's been uh, six months now so you grew up in Logan right that's what you said 
I, uh, middle school and high school were Logan for me. Uh, my family, uh, my grandparents who I lived with were, uh, Pentecostal ministers. So we moved around a lot. Um, I think before then we had lived in Canova, uh, Williamstown and Buchanan. So I was born in Buchanan. So all the hits. Yeah. Every corner of the state. When you grew up moving around a lot, is it hard to think of any single one of those places as your like quote unquote hometown or do they each kind of have that sort of sentimentality and feeling towards them? No, honestly, I think Huntington is about as close to a hometown as I have. Like it's the one I've adopted. It feels the most like home. Uh, You know, theoretically when I moved from Tennessee, I could have went anywhere but i wanted to come back here so when it comes to making zines is there any particular part of the process that you enjoy more than other parts uh or just uh, something that stands out as like oh i like the the feeling of like physically putting these together or like i like the act of like sitting at the laptop and like getting the words down is there anything that stands out like this is like the best part of the process for me yeah, I think the the writing uh, is my favorite. Um, writing and editing, uh, as far as like actually doing the physical layout and things, I like doing that. But I don't have much of a visual eye. I feel so. I kind of, I feel like that's my weak spot with it. And because it's my weak spot, I kind of like like it the least. Now, when it comes to writing, especially doing these personal creative nonfiction essays that are uh, the bulk of what Porch Beers is. Are there any writers that you turn to specifically to say, you know, this is what I'm trying to achieve or this is the style I'm going towards? Um, I'd say definitely big influences would be Nick Hornby and uh, Hanifa Durkib, Um just because it's they both are people that write about themselves sometimes when they don't mean to or like they write about themselves through the eyes of like a bigger sprouter i'm trying to one of hanif's uh essays was about fallout boy and going to a fallout boy concert but it ended up being about like growing up in ohio and facing racism and that is kind of idealized what I want to do when I write. I don't want to say this is a goal of mine because I always come up with like kind of grandiose ideas for projects and then sometimes don't follow through. Uh, but I would love to do like a like an oral history of the punk houses of Huntington at some point. Now have you, is that a, a project that you've tried to get off the ground or is it just on the list of like other ideas um it's on the list of ideas but i'm doing a thing that uh, i'm kind of in the middle of that's going to be kind of a soft launch to see if i can do that project which is which is a history of the drinking game stump uh that was uh at funky town and uh i think there was one at the cricket cave too um that's a drinking game i've never heard of honestly it's uh, so there's a giant tree stump uh, that was on the porch with nails. Uh, you had to, uh, I think it was, you spun around till you got dizzy and then had to hit the nail w- with a hammer. And if you got it all the way down in one shot, everybody took a drink. 
I think is how it went. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It was very dangerous yeah, and uh, very <laughs> silly and uh, just one of those kind of like things that w- was weird Huntington culture. Like all these really like kind of white bread places that say like keep a blank weird. I feel like Huntington is a weird place and you don't even have to keep it that way. No. I do think we need to get weirder though coming out of the pandemic. I don't think we've gone full return to like full weird yet. Oh yeah. Uh I want someone to get a house show venue off the ground too. These things seem kind of cyclical though cuz I remember uh when I was like 18, 19 like some of the older punk kids having house shows and then it died down for like three or four years. And then that was the rise of the elimination chamber, funky town, cricket cave, five Oh five, all these, uh, places that had shows and like this culture built around it. Um, and then, you know, like people move, people get jobs, people settle down. Uh, but I, honestly have some pretty strong faith that like here in about a year or two that a bunch of kids from Marshall are going to start something up like that. Was your going away party the last 505 thing or was it like one of them? I don't know if it was the last one, but it was one of the last big bangers they had. Yeah. And then I was also at the last cricket cave show. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was on father's day. 2018 i want to say and one of the that was a day where like I'd, i've written about this before there's a thing about online if people look hard enough where i was uh, uh day drinking a whole lot with a friend after we had both went to a catholic mass for the first time mm-hmm and then we end the day at this punk show where one of the bands burns a KKK effigy. And it's like, what more could you want out of your father's day than that? Seeing these kind of like house show type venues that you might end up writing about, are there any bands or artists that stand out more than others? Uh, Speaker for the Dead was one that came around a lot. Um, And they as I understand, had kind of like a floating cast of who was in the band. Um, But I just remember there being like uh, them and uh, Disappearing Man joining together to sing uh, the the Italian protest song Bella Ciao. Um, And it seemed like there were like 20 people crammed into that living room, like in the band, and then all the people around them uh, just jumping up and down singing the song. Like that will always stand out to me. I think that's even on YouTube uh, somewhere. But um, there is the Kepi Ghouli show that I uh, was pretty instrumental in getting there. Um, And then, of course, I was like, well, if I'm getting him here i'm gonna open it for him uh and we sang a duet together which was pretty rad um and uh defiance ohio um shout out to another hanif essay yes one of his uh ones that's like one of the most emotional ones really Mm -hmm. but yeah those are the ones that really kind of stand out to me oh uh curse is a band from Baltimore. Um, they played 505 several times, and uh, they're this really great just kind of goth synth band. When's the last time you've done any music stuff? Is that something you're planning to do again, too? 
Yeah, it's been a while. It's honestly... I don't know. The pandemic kind of, like, sucked it out of me, honestly. Like, pandemic, being in a toxic relationship, uh, being away from home, like, all those just kind of compounded and kind of just made me not want to do much of anything, honestly. Uh, But the last open mic night thing I did, I want to say, was, like, May 2019. So it's been a hot minute. And now when you say it kind of like sucked the energy out of you is that like, you know, I wasn't very productive and kind of just moping around during like the heat of the pandemic too. Is it a thing where you could see yourself returning to it eventually? Or do you want to focus that sort of creative energy and output on the zine instead? I don't know if I would do solo stuff again. Uh, Me and Lenny are planning on, like, we've been practicing a little bit with music and uh, throwing a band together. Um, But it's really kind of like these exercises are just like, we'll have a practice, but it'll be like an hour because I'll be like, I have to like pace myself because I physically just like start like tensing up and like, it like I don't know like a lot of stuff got in my head that made it difficult to perform. One of your spoken word tracks has been featured on this Hello America compilation, uh, which is exciting to me just because that's a label I've followed for a bit too. I've got a couple of their tapes over there uh, on the wall. Uh, how did you find out about that label? Yeah, so uh, kind of a roundabout way. Um, uh, I have kind of like a friend slash mentor slash senpai, please notice me, um, Alex Reck, who does zines. Uh, they, um, there's some pretty, like, uh, the, the Adam Nade had taken over um, a zine distro that had like a real dirtbag guy running it. Uh, maybe not taking it over, but like repositioned it and then rebranded it. And anyway, they ended up in some legal water too, I guess, because of that. Um, but at any rate, that was a long-winded kind of roundabout way. Um, so Adam Nade uh, ran this distro, which I, uh, which for uh, people listening, uh, distro is a website that sells zines, um, and had this book, uh, the guide to fighting the big motherfucking sadness. Uh, and, uh, that I really liked that book and started reading more and more of his books. Um, and then, uh, just, you know, through social media, found out that this label was a thing. I think my exposure through it was because the Hobart Twitter account mentioned it at some point, the, oh, cool. uh, the literary, uh, website and, like, I'm just interested in weird cassettes anyway. So knowing that there's, like, this interesting, like, spoken word cassette label, like, I wanted to dive into it. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, when I found out, like, what they were doing, uh, that really just spoke to me, like, that that is something I'm like, I want to be a part of this. Now, is that sort of things something that you could see yourself doing too in addition to the zine like having this like 
adjacent tape thing. Oh, totally. I'd love to do it myself too. And like record people. Um, just, I'd love to do like spoken word, uh, and weird outsider music sort of stuff. Um, like I have a couple of people that I want to ask to do stuff. And, uh, that is definitely a project for, uh, you know, down the road. Now, doing the zines and the issues that have come out so far, were there any pieces within it that were not so much, like, taxing to write, but ones that, like, oh, I see more of myself in this one than I see in, like, others? Hmm. I don't know. Um, There are definitely some things throughout that I don't know when I was writing um the first three issues um was when I was in a relationship that uh was not very healthy for me and ended pretty badly it's kind of hard to see some of the stuff I had written that was like rosy depictions of it um which some of them I felt at the time and some of them may have been like me trying to project what I wanted it to be. Now, are there any pieces that you've gotten pushback on, whether it be someone disagreeing with an opinion or something like that? Probably the, probably the one that I've gotten the most, like, uh, I don't know if it would necessarily be a pushback, but a like, moderate to strong disagreement with was the uh, Dolly Parton in defense of Dolly Parton issue uh, um, article that I wrote. Uh, was that one in response to the thing that Tom Sexton published from Drillbillies, that Hello Dolly piece? Ye- partially. Um, it was just a lot of like, uh, uh, kind of like, I don't necessarily even like, think that most of the criticism of her is that off base but it seemed almost memefied to the point where i was seeing it like every time i opened twitter and i was like guys there's got to be like a better target yeah exactly is there any project that stands out in particular as something that you think like best represents what your vision was at the time i uh when i was uh, how old would I been? I think this was 2005, 2006, um, when I was still in Marshall the first time. I uh, made a short film called Anxiety, which was like very much, you know, 20 something that had seen Twin Peaks for the first time and was real knee deep into HP Lovecraft. Um, it was supposed to be a feature film. I got like a salvageable 10 minutes of it, but I'm still pretty proud of that, honestly. And uh, what was like the overall like plot or story of this? Um, let's see. It, so it was like this lady that. Uh, wasn't sure, like kind of fading in and out of reality, um, picks up a drifter and uh, the drifter brings about like this Cthulhu entity into our house. Um, it it was a real squid. Um, I bought a real octopus from uh, Jewel City Seafood um, and it 
it was a long at the end of that like six hours where it was there. It it was not smelling great. Oh no. Now let's take it back a little. So you're in Logan. You find out about zines. What other sort of things are in your culture at this moment, or like the things that you're turning to in your teenage years? Yeah, so one of the things, it's almost kind of like a mythos story I tell. Uh, When I was 12, you know, I was still feeling very much out of place with uh, the people around me and culture and, you know, feeling like alienated from my family as you do when you're a teenager. And uh, I went to the library and like a book about like rock music luminaries, like literally like fell out and conked me on the head. Uh, And it opened up to a page with David Bowie in it. And that uh, definitely kind of proved to me that like, Oh, there are weird people out here. And I know know David Bowie isn't necessarily the person you want to emulate with some of his like personal life, but um you know, it definitely did make an impression on me, not just on my forehead. <laughs> and uh, other stuff that was definitely highly influential, um, Mystery Science Theater, um, just kind of the early kind of punk, like the punk you get into when you first get into punk, like The Clash, Ramones, uh, Buzzcocks, uh, Ska. When did uh, Elvis Costello come to the picture? Probably about like junior, senior year. Um, that was another one of those, find it in a thrift store, guy looks cool, going to listen to it, sit down, listen to it over and over again for hours. That, uh, was, there, there's one time I remember where I was just like, uh, you know, I didn't have the words for, I need a mental health day at the time, so I just stayed home and that's all I did was listen to, uh, uh, this year's model over and over again. Well, the opening song on your college radio station for the longest time was radio radio wasn't it mm-hmm. that's was right getting that high energy right off the top mm-hmm. i know that was like i was never good with memorizing the schedule where like who was djing when but i was always aware it was you when i had heard that like just sitting in the office i spent too much time in that office <laughs> probably <laughs> uh yeah i think everybody that's like, a Probably should have director did. Probably should have gotten like a part time job and like worked through college, but instead I'm just sitting and going through the literal piles of CDs that wind up on the desk every day. Mm-hmm. Now during your tenure there and DJing there, what were the new discoveries for you, like music wise, that you kind of still stick with? Um. And and I'll go with uh, the the first time around that I was uh, music director. Uh, go team, uh, that was a big one. That was one of my finds too. Yeah. When they put out another album. Uh, let's see, go team, uh, Franz Ferdinand. Uh, those are the two that come to mind. I. Very famously did not like the gorillas when I first got their first single and passed on it. Um, and then looked like an idiot uh, once they were on MTV. <laughs> like, oh, man, I could have been the first person in the tri-state to play them. Yep. Got be- At least he got that with Franz Ferdinand, though. Mm-hmm. You got Take Me Out. Yeah. but uh, That counts for something. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> 
the the last time um i'm trying to think of any bands that really stood out to me um uh cloud nothings i liked a lot um and they played nelsonville the last time they had a nelsonville festival and it was really good is that that's coming back right? it is coming back that's awesome. yeah, it is coming back in september i think it's the same weekend as hmf though mm. a huntington music and arts festival so i'm not sure if i'll make it up there but one of the headliners is Yola Tingo, and like oh. I want to see that live one of these days. Yeah, Japanese Breakfast is playing. Um, couple others. It all of their headliners except for like one involve women, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's super yeah. rad. Especially for like a small, like mid-sized festival like that. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as I realized Nelsonville had a music festival, I used the college radio connections to get media passes every time I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then photo passes from one of my photographer friends. I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, uh, I hooked Meg Osborne up, and that's how she got great pictures of Courtney Barnett. <laughs> that's awesome. It, we were running late. And we were walking into the festival grounds pretty much as soon as the band before her was finishing up their set. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we got there just in time. It was was so good. Yeah, I got to see uh, They Might Be Giants there. And uh, I was second row from the the barricades. I, I would have been first, but there were some small children. And I was like, you can go ahead of me. Has there been anything that you've wanted to write about but you haven't been able to find the right angle for yet yeah there are a couple like uh not necessarily that i haven't found the right angle but there is i have like a handful of articles about different movies i've loved um and i feel like in order to write some of the ones i want to write i have to sit down and do a rewatch of these movies but it's like you know 10 or so movies and who has that time so give us a little sample of like what movies can we expect then or which ones are on this to watch list so you can write about them yeah i want to do um one about which may be a cliche at this point but like i want to do one about the matrix and like how it kind of mirrored my own trans journey um because you know at least the first one is a big trans allegory um, and I want to see like how closely it reflects, you know, what uh, growing up, what I went through, um, trying to see if the, uh, the, the Kevin Smith collection holds up. I have my doubts, <laughs> but, uh, that was like a big part of teenage me. And I just want to see, you know, maybe give it the respect it deserves for that point, but then also be like, Hey, maybe n- like half your jokes didn't hold up, buddy. So on the day we're recording this, at one point you tweeted that you went from being with a Mark Marin guy to becoming a Mark Marin guy. Mm-hmm. And do you mean that as in like listening to him or like dressing like him? Uh, both and the personification of like what the Mark Marin guy like, you know, I feel like that is a type. And I feel yeah. like I have become that type now. What, what would you say are the key aspects of the Mark Marin guy? Uh, let's see. Button-up shirts, 
uh, kind of depressed, uh, likes Father John Misty a little too much. Does he like Father John Misty? I don't know if he does, but, but his Mark Maron guy yeah. does. Framed glasses, that's yes. a big part. Mm-hmm. That like aren't quite Elvis Costello glasses, but aren't quite like Buddy Holly either. Yes. Very important part of the image. But uh, in response to that tweet, our mutual friend and someone whose music we both very much admire, William Matheny, uh, tweeted as a joke, who were your guys, but I want to get that answer from you. Uh, Elliot, who are your guys? Uh, definitely, if anybody knows me, would say uh, top top guy, uh, Ben Folds, obviously. Uh, Elvis Costello, uh, Nick Hornby, uh, the, the MST3K folks, uh, Aaron Comet Bus, uh, Alex Reck, and Francesca Leah Block, Douglas Adams. All right. So, what do your parents do? Like, were they school teachers or? Uh, my mom uh, worked a variety of kind of like fast food jobs when I grew up, and she is uh, assistant manager at a, a grocery store now. Um, didn't really know my dad growing up, uh, so uh, not really sure. Uh, yeah, not not so much in contact with him either now at this time, so uh, not sure about him, but uh, but yeah. You know, I asked that because that's one of the other like stereotypical American yep. questions, but also I appreciate the answer. Oh, no problem. All right, well, thank you for being on the show. You can buy copies of Porch Beers at Elliot's Etsy page or at the Red Caboose in Huntington. Thank you for listening to Commonplace. If you liked today's episode, I ask that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, share with a friend. These are free ways that help the show in a big way. Commonplace is hosted and produced by me, Nathan Thomas. Our theme song is Rescio by Goodwolf from the album Car in the Woods. Join us again next week for another episode of Commonplace. Commonplace.